Hello. Welcome to another edition of Fortinet Live. I'm Jim Richberg, Fortinet's Field Chief Information Security Officer for the public sector, and I'm joined by Derek Mankey, the Chief of Security Insights and Global Threat Alliances at FortiGuard Labs. Today, we're going to be talking about the threat landscape, the public sector, is facing in 2022. Derek, it's great to be here with you, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts on this fast-moving topic. Yeah, more than happy to talk about this. It's uh, certainly a very important aspect of cybersecurity and the threat landscape that, that we look at at FortiGuard Labs, Jim. Yeah. So, so Derek, I know that FortiGuard Labs recently announced some thoughts and some predictions on trends that we should be looking for in 2022. So what are some of the highlights of that research that affect the public sector specifically? Yeah. So, you know, if we look at what traditionally, right, what threats that have been facing the public sector, we think critical infrastructure and a lot of public services, of course, that gets us thinking of nation state and APT. One thing that we're seeing is this disturbing trend, right, where we're having a convergence of these two worlds between cybercrime and APT. And if we think about what the word or acronym APT means, advanced persistent threat, it, it hints to sophistication and it hints to a much more premeditated, targeted type of attack cycle. Right. And, and that includes everything from what we've talked about on that left, left hand side of the attack, which is the reconnaissance and weaponization phase. And we're starting to see a lot more investment from cyber criminals, literally investment because they've profited so much off ransomware uh, over the years into those phases, particularly the weaponization. And, um, you know, one thing that's really concerning, Jim, and we've already seen some of this from uh Last, last year leading up to this year, but this is certainly, I think, what we're facing and concerns the public sector for 2022 is um, aggressive uh, attack code, like ransomware is an example. We've seen wiper malware now that's been put even into ransomware campaigns. This has also been called kill, killware out there. The whole idea of this, of course, is that it's destructive in nature. And I, and I have a sense that, you know, given the innovation that cyber criminals have done, that they're going to blend these together, right? I mean, put it, put that into their strategy, showing that they effectively have weapons in these systems, that they can destroy systems, probably destroying a couple of systems as a upfront message to, to show that they mean business and, you know, dem demanding a high ransom pay uh, payment in return. And that, that is, of course, what we've seen in the past is ransomware affecting IT. And now that's going to start to affect OT, public sector, all those systems that we talk about. And that's, that's the notion of what we're calling advanced persistent cybercrime. Yeah, I, I think, you know, coming from this from the government perspective, having run, you know, cyber threat intelligence in government, you know, I used to say APT actors would only be as advanced as they had to be to get the job done. If you had unpatched vulnerabilities, they were going to use a dark web common hacker tool. You weren't going to get to see a potential zero day they had because they have a cost benefit analysis to go through also. And that yeah. the distinction between them and most criminals was that, yes, you had the syndicate activity that was really organized, but otherwise it was a self-organizing ecosystem. It might get to the same point of effect that these more sophisticated groups did, whether they were nation state or syndicates, but they were noisier and slower to do it. But Derek, the trend you're pointing out that because this has been so lucrative, the groups have organizational persistence, that they're moving upstream to not just exploit the golden oldies, but try to weaponize newly discovered CVEs. You're, I think that's scary for governments to say, we're starting to see convergence 
the, the, the techniques that even run-of-the-mill criminals can bring against me are increasingly high-end. And that's something that the reality is government, I, it, it has to defend itself against the full spectrum of threat actors. You know, yes. we say that many in the private sector only have to be good enough that, that the would-be intruder will go find a softer, easier target to get into. You know, cost-benefit analysis just says this is too much work compared to other things. That's not true for government, whether it's nation state activity because they want your intellectual property or criminals who want your literal money or your personal identifying information. What you're describing, Derek, makes this a whole lot scarier for government organizations. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of cost benefit analysis, again, thinking think of it like like from the syndicate and the cyber criminal aspect. Right. Their cost benefit analysis is saying if they go after one. Uh, you know, a larger target in the government, they're looking at seven figures in their dollar signs as opposed to six figures sometimes when they go after, um, you know, enterprise in the private sector, as an example. And going to what you talked about, so we talked about the persistent theme, the advanced component too, right? They're spending, we highlighted this in our threat landscape report uh, for the first half of 2021. The number one tactic that we're seeing from attack code is def uh, defense evasion. It's no surprise. But again, they're really trying to do the, the low and slow stealthy attacks to get into the systems first. And how are they doing that? You mentioned that word that we hear about, unfortunately, all too often with uh, vulnerabilities, right? And, and, and it's this, we, this is part of our predictions. We're calling this uh, a feeding frenzy. And this is another trend that we're seeing when there is a new vulnerability announced that, you know, that window, the attack time window that attackers will actually capitalize that, that is shrinking, right? It's getting quicker. And because they're realizing that these are, um, you know, that they can actually gain off of this to, to get into systems when they employ their cybercrime uh, attacks, the advanced part of that. Again, if we look back to tra tradition and history, a lot of these uh, CBEs and vulnerabilities were, you know, two to three years old, uh, as, as an example. Uh, but that's it's just this case where we see uh, literally we're talking about months now, right, for cyber criminals to adopt this. It gets rolled out into attack toolkits and so forth. And it's widely commoditized as well. Yeah. I mean, I think the history shows us that, you know, what, roughly, what, 4% of CVEs actually get weaponized and exploited. Yeah. That, that Many of these are, I won't call them theoretical, they're real. But the reality is, it, you know, it's cost effective to use the the golden oldies that work. And some yeah. of them are 10 years old and, and they still work. But the reality you're describing is that the large organizations, including some governments that do a decent job of defending themselves, patching themselves against things, are now going to have to recognize that they're going to have to stay closer to that bleeding edge of newly discovered vulnerabilities and in some cases maybe even doing things like virtual patching because what you're describing sounds like these criminals might be coming at them on a time cycle that they can't deal with otherwise. Yeah, yeah, and so it's it's this these worlds coming together with the convergence, the the advanced technology and the weaponization of that, and then the connect the infrastructure piece, the connectivity. That, that's another piece too. So this is this connected attack surface, and we describe that in in the uh, predictions as well, where now you have, um, you know, I, I know I know Jimmy you appreciate this, right? Going back to the old mentality that everything should be air gapped and and that and we'll wipe our hands and call it a day, but that's just not the reality, right? And and if we look at uh, now with the connectivity that's happening, especially in OT environments and a lot of these things that were inaccessible before or only physically accessible, like units out there in the field, 
uh, for oil and gas, as an example, those are now becoming more and more connected through through uh, broadband and 5G, and now also satellite uh, communication and connectivity, uh, which is also going to be um, already has started to roll out roll out in broadband fashion as well too. Yeah, I think that's going to be a paradigm shift for government, both as a potential target, because you talk to many government organizations and they say, I'm not a manufacturer. I'm not a service right. provider. I don't have OT. And you want to say, look, you have smart buildings, you have green infrastructure, you have surveillance, you know, video cameras, you have public health monitoring. You, in fact, have got an OT, IOT presence, a footprint, whether you realize it or not. So you need to think of defending yourself against that. Yeah, and, and if we look at the, the platforms as well, you just mentioned IoT and OT. What is the predominant platform we see in that is Linux, right? And that's the other prediction that we mentioned is that we're starting to see more attack activity because this is uh, in the crosshair of, of attackers. I'm talking about uh, writing new malware code. Because, of course, if you write a botnet or if you write malware, you need to support your platforms. Are you going after Windows or, or Mac OS or uh, you know, Android or Linux, which is, you know, widely deployed on IoT and OT devices. And now we have, you know, with uh, Windows 11, uh, Windows 10 and Windows 11, the WSL, the Windows subsystem for Linux. So you just have, again, that literally wider um, attack surface. And we, but we are seeing trends in that direction already. We're seeing uh, code. Mariah is the number one botnet that we observed in 2021, a Linux-based uh, botnet. And that's just one, right? I think there's going to be a lot more to follow. Right. Well, when we're talking about OT and infrastructure, of course, you know, here in the U.S., President Biden signed the, the infrastructure and jobs bill last month, $1.2 trillion to infrastructure. Uh, that is essentially giving, at least for the U.S. federal government, more work. It, it, it brings cybersecurity money, but that money will go to state and local government, to the actual infrastructure providers. So government's job of setting standards, of planning for this infrastructure, really would rely on them both understanding the operational technology and understanding the security implications. So I think it makes their job of being a steward, of maybe in some cases being a regulator, exponentially harder because it doesn't give them the resources to do that on top of doing things like the executive order that said implement zero trust, accelerate your migration to the cloud. So it, I think it, it is a job that's getting more difficult for government, not easier. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, the, the unfortunate part here is I think that well, if we learn lessons from the past and what we've already observed in the last year, we see cyber criminals that unfortunately have been successful impacting public sector impacting uh, OT environments by going just after IT, right? But of course, these systems we're seeing are connected and and uh, we fully expect those targets to be directly targeted instead of, um, you know, these secondary sort of or um, indirect attacks that have happened in the past. Yeah. And when we think when we talk about threat activity targeting the public sector, I think it's critical we remember that the public sector is not monolithic, that right. national level governments tend to be the best resource financially and to have the most expertise, although even they have trouble dealing with the skills gap and, and you know, staying close to the leading edge. But the problem gets exponentially worse when you go below the national level in any country. I mean, let's, you know, we can talk about the ransomware that we've seen hit the public sector that has tended to be local government, public health, things like that, where they they don't play the A-team level that some of the some of the national level organizations see. So what do you what do you see as the the next year for that below the national level in terms of threat activity? 
Yeah. So again, if we look at ransomware, I think it's going to be a lot of strategy with that, Jim. So it's certainly the, um, as I said earlier, more weaponization, stepping up their their game to that A game, capitalizing on those fresh vulnerabilities, but but also a lot new uh, payload that's uh, going to be written. What we've seen in in the cyber crime realm again is this whole ecosystem, right? So they they've the ransom as a service model, as an example, is a lot of affiliates now that they're effectively paying commission to do a lot of these attacks. So it's not just a monolithic campaign or attack system that's happening. That's the other thing, right? There's going to be a lot more diversification, I think, when it comes to these cybercrime operations that will be targeting uh, at the national level. Um, essentially, more horsepower under their hood, more weapons, and uh, and more people behind that as well, too. And if we think of how they do things like money laundering and all the things that falls under cyber crime, they're going to be building that network that's going to facilitate and enable them to, um, you know, to, to attack at a national level. And that's, of course, going to be, I wouldn't say bolted on, but <laughs> added on to, to what already exists, right, with APT and, and the nation state threat actors. Yeah. Well, I always hate to end on a doom and gloom note. So let's let's put something positive in. And I know, you know, you and I have talked, I'm actually bullish on the topic of attribution, on the fact yeah. that as we put more data together within places like FortiGuard Labs, with other organizations, potentially with government partners, that we have the potential to actually be able to do attribution, not to the point of, you know, proving a case in law, but to be able to say, I'm reasonably certain who did this, and therefore that I know what to do about it. Does that make sense to you, too, for this next year? As uh, do, Is there any light on the horizon? Oh, a lot of light. A lot of light. I love to talk about that. Absolutely. Yes, uh, I completely agree. And keep in mind that attribution doesn't mean that it's right down to the human level. Of course, yes, that's what we refer to as, you know, the the, uh, the holy grail when it comes to threat, threat intelligence and research and finding these people. But even attributing uh, things like um, the, the, you know, why are they doing this, right? Um, what what verticals are they uh, targeting, attributing infrastructure that they're involved in? Those are all choke points when we get into disruption campaigns and activity, because it's not just, you know, as we say, cutting off the head of the snake, if we go and, and you know, find an individual or individuals and do a successful arrest and prosecution, yes, that's all well and fine. But there's so many other ways to disrupt um, and and at, and that completely relies on attribution, right? Attributing where the funds are moving. Um, and uh, that nowadays also includes a lot, of course, that we talked about with the uh, crypto wallets and currency flows too. Yeah, so I think there are ways that we can generate actionable intelligence and get insight to to deal with this increasingly dire threat situation that I think we're facing in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and we made some wins. Oh, that's the other good thing. It's not brand new, right? There's been progress and headway towards this, but I think that this is really going to pick up momentum in a good way uh, for 2022. Yeah. Well, Derek, I've enjoyed talking to you. I, we could keep we could keep talking about this at length, but but thank you for your insights. I've enjoyed this. And let's see how many of our predictions come true next year. Sounds good. Thanks, Jim. Okay.